Welcome to Have You Seen This, the podcast about obscure, overlooked, and misbegotten cinema. All discussions will be spoiler-heavy. You have been warned. seen this i'm jennifer albright tonight's guest is mike rosen friend of the show hello i'm glad to be back good to have you on mike especially for today's movie this is this is movies very close to my heart as it it's close to my heart as well uh tonight we're going to be talking about abba the movie or or as we call them in america abba the movie abba we say abba because we're in the know yeah, well, uh, this is a this is a movie about the Swedish supergroup that you may have heard of. They were kind of a thing uh, back in when was their heyday? The seventies? Yeah. Um, to give people who actually haven't heard of them a little bit of background, ABBA were a Swedish pop group. They became popular in the early seventies because their song "Waterloo" uh, won Eurovision, the uh, Pan European Song Contest. Um, and they were releasing records through the seventies until about, I think, um, 81 or 82 when they just kind of went their separate ways. Um, but they were huge sellers, um, estimates for the amount of records they've sold worldwide are anywhere from 140 to 500 million. Um, so they were pretty big. Um, they're called ABBA because the, uh, the letters in the name, uh, are their, first initials. Um, there's Agneta Faltskog, uh, Bjorn Ulveus, Benny Anderson, and Annie Fried or Frida uh, Lindstad. They conquered the world with their uh, unique combination of uh, peppy uh, disco songs and Nordic good looks. And don't forget the clean cut beat of the music. Oh, that's right. I really <laughs> appreciate that especially. I like that when they appear on stage, they're very tidy as well. They look like they've showered. That's something that I want in my uh, my pop idols. I, I really don't like pop idols that appear to be rebellious or you know that anything like that. I like ones that that have a that you know you can take the family to. Yes, family. I like I like musicians that are as bland and white as possible because that yes. doesn't upset me. Um. <laughs> I like musicians as as bland and white as the undriven Swedish snow. <laughs> <laughs> Hence, Abba. Um, or, or is it driven snow? Actually, yeah. Did I just fuck that up? Eh. There, both types of snow are white. And fix it in post. <laughs> um, the other thing I should mention about Abba is that they continue to be popular to this day. Um, after they broke up, they had a resurgence of popularity in the early '90s um, because they came out with the greatest hits called Abba Gold, and at the same time. Um, there were a couple of Australian films which made heavy use of their music, uh, Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, and Muriel's Wedding. Um, and then the Mamma Mia musical came out, at, I think, at the end of the 90s and toured worldwide, so they're still huge. Yeah. Also, ABBA fucking owns, do not talk to me about that Ace of Bass shit. It's like listening to Tori Amos when you already have Kate Bush. It's ABBA <laughs> or nothing. I... I... Abba is Abba is superior because if you have if you have to pick a uh, a Swedish supergroup, pick the one that's not made of Nazis. <laughs> Abba, not Ace of Base. Are are there Nazis in Ace of Base? Um, I believe the head of Ace of Base has a background in uh, white supremacist uh, dark rock or something. <laughs> I don't know what you call it. Oh, good. Um, hopefully that's true, and uh, we I didn't just horribly slander him. But <laughs> well, here's another little bit of Abba trivia that I found out, um, and I can't confirm whether or not tonight's movie was actually banned in Russia or was threatened with a ban. But um, apparently, uh, Benny and Bjorn recorded a little message for a program produced by the U.S. Department of Information. Um, called Let Poland Be Poland. Um, This was produced, I guess, um, because of the CIA-backed Solidarity Trade Union 
1982. And uh, and that pissed Russia off. So they threatened to not allow ABBA the movie to be shown. I don't know if they actually banned it or not. I know that right now uh, Americans are having this weird sort of love affair with Russia because they love the idea of, you know, a strong a strong leader like Putin who just gets who just crushes all that fucking pussy riot the way it should be. Um, <laughs> well, on the right, I, on the right, you love Putin because he loves Trump because oh, he's such a strong leader. Oh, he's so strong. And if you're on the left, you are deep into uh, Russophobia because uh, Russia is apparently the reason that Khaleesi didn't win the election. So. Well, I'm just saying that right now, I'm I'm really glad that Putin killed Pussy Riot because I heard they were very untidy. <laughs> they just weren't a clean band, you know? They weren't clean like Ava. Yeah, exactly. Um, but but my point is that um, even though there there's a lot of, you know, a lot of people like Russia and there's, oh, it'd be so great to be in Russia. Actually, no, no one says that. Um <laughs> Clearly, Russia is a horrible hellscape because you could not watch Ava the movie there. That is true. And, and why even bother living at that point? Because Ava the movie is awesome. This is the greatest movie ever made. I submit. I love this movie. I submit that it is Lass Hellstrom's finest film. Yes, uh, it was directed by Lass Hellstrom, who gave us uh, My Life as a Dog, What's Eating Gilbert Grape, and uh, some other art house thing shuck a lot fuck that movie middle brow oh i remember my life as a dog shit. yeah i was actually gonna watch it in preparation and then i was like nah <laughs> i i mostly remember it because my parents watched it and didn't like it because he was not actually a dog <laughs> I, I they felt that the title was misleading are your parents furries my <laughs> they just they they thought it'd be like the shaggy da or something like you the, your parents remind me of my dad when um my mom and I were watching the Powell and Pressburger film, Black Narcissus. And we watched the whole thing. And at the end, my dad turned to us and was like, well, what was the Black Narcissus? What was that? You know, missing that they actually mentioned, like, the scent in the movie. But whatever. And Same afterwards, he, uh, he filed a lawsuit against the never-ending story. <laughs> but anyway, um, so the point is, is that um, this is the last Hellestrom film. Um, he actually cut his teeth as a filmmaker uh, making music videos for ABBA. He was their videographer, basically, and he re he's responsible for a lot of that kind of iconic imagery, you know, the the ladies singing in profile and all that oh, yeah. fun stuff. Yeah. And um, oh. I do really like the look of this film, um, especially the the kind of dream sequences. Mm, yeah. Um, because you get a lot you get a lot of great zooms and like really awesome bokeh as a result of that and they also have those um filters that you put in the lens to make the light all streaky and like misty it looks amazing like it probably like 10 years ago it would have looked horribly dated but now it just looks fucking on point so props to uh the crew his cinematographer you know all that but um anyway um you know, before we get too far off the path, Mike, do you kind of want to give us the uh, TV guide summary of ABBA the movie? Sure. So uh, the basic plot of ABBA the movie is ABBA, the Swedish supergroup whom we've mentioned, uh, are going to Australia for their Australian tour. At the same time, intrepid radio journalist, fuck nuts, what's his name? <laughs> um, Chomo McKitty Fiddler? I, yeah, I don't know if he, his character has a name in this movie. Ashley. Ashley, that's right. So Ash, played by Australian character actor and child molester Robert Hughes. <laughs> it's true. Is, yeah, we'll yeah. get to that. Look it up. But, but continue. <laughs> yeah, we'll probably get more into that we'll later in the show. We'll talk more about that, yeah. Yeah, but uh, so uh, this, this radio journalist, he, he apparently does some sort of country western uh, radio show out in the boonies. And his boss comes to him and Which says, Which could like, be anywhere in Australia, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, it's Australia. It's the entire country, really. <laughs> uh, but his boss comes to him and says, like, uh, uh, Ash, I got a great idea. Um, we are going to have an interview with ABBA, the supergroup. The, the, the biggest thing that's ever come to Australia. <laughs> you're going to go interview them. And you're going to get 
all the information on what ABBA really is. And Not who they just are. an interview, a dialogue. A this dialogue. is very important. Right. Yeah. And um, Ash is skeptical, but he, he goes off to try and get an interview with ABBA. And I love this <laughs> because he is, lit- is literally the same. Yeah, he is like podunk, you know, uh, shit, shit FM or whatever. Just like just the most like nobody person in the world. And his boss gives him an assignment that would be nearly impossible for someone in a much better connected position to do. Because not only does he actually have to get access to ABBA, he also has to get an in-depth interview in a way that, like, like he has to get them to bare their souls. And because his boss really wants to get the meat of what ABBA is all about. Not yeah. just that they're a Swedish pop group. They're, they're much more. Yeah, his boss is asking for, like, Vanity Fair level access. Yes. And this is a guy with a, like, um, probable, probable, like, um, and I think it's mentioned in the movie, his his time slot seems to be like 4 a.m. to 6 a.m. Yes. And, and his, his boss bo- says, sorry. No, his boss sends him uh, without a press pass. Yes. <laughs> to get this him, interview. You have one week to do this. Because <laughs> they're only going to uh, be in Australia for one week. Right. And this, uh, so- um, this actually lines up with um, Ava's tour of Australia, they did do uh, a quickie tour of Australia in 77, and that, that's what makes up the bulk of the footage in the movie. Yeah. It's, I believe it's mostly kind of archival footage of ABBA, you know, they just have footage of ABBA doing their thing. Yeah, and, what, a lot of, and a lot of what would be called second unit photography. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but I really love the, the plot such as it is, because it really feels like his boss is just trying to get rid of him. It really feels like it's just an elaborate troll to get this guy, just get rid, you know. He's like, oh, I gotta get rid of this child molester. Yeah, <laughs> so after Abba. Well, yeah, and you you actually have a background in journalism, Mike. Yes. So yes. Uh, does, this, does this cut close to the bone for you? Because actually, this movie kind of plays on my embarrassment squick a lot, because like all the scenes of him trying to, as uh, you know, the Australians might say, blag his way into an interview with Abba and facing like... um hostile staff and you know a lack of proper credentials or tickets like it 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 really like triggers my social anxiety yeah it's difficult yeah it is difficult to to watch because you know i've been in those situations before where you just have awful where where things just go completely wrong um or you just are unprepared uh to do interviews or get through the 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 levels you need to to get to someone uh and you do have a deadline so yeah it's it is very um uh, so I, I felt for the guy in some way, but on the other hand, um, he's such a complete idiot and <laughs> he's set up for failure in such a ridiculous way that, you know, just the fact like, oh yeah, he, he runs away from, you know, you know, Walla Walla shithole or wherever he's from, uh, to Perth. Umalagulla or whatever it's yeah. called. <laughs> Chaz Wazer, uh, without picking up his press pass, it's like, well, you should probably have done that. That should be like the one thing that you make sure to pack when you are a reporter, especially when you are going to interview fucking Ava. Because I mean, like, yeah, if you're interviewing some like shitty, like, you know, concert violinist, because they go around all there. Let me tell you, when you're an arts and entertainment reporter, you have to interview so many fucking concert violinists, (laughs) violinists. Like every time the fucking Kronos Quartet is in town, oh God. You gotta know another shitty thing about them. Nobody gives a fuck about them. <laughs> so you could probably just call them up and, and like you get their number off the internet and call them and they'll be like, Yeah, sure, I'll talk to you. <laughs> Ava, of course, you got like ten layers of like managers and agents and PR people between you and them. And so that's just to get to like the fucking junket. Uh, <laughs> you know, to get like any real thing is like nearly impossible. So the fact that he's kind of been put in this situation is like ridiculous it would probably never happen in real life yeah because that's um that's what seems to be the approach like you mentioned the press junket and it seems to be like that's where they send him like um i guess maybe maybe his boss is like kind of bluffing because he doesn't have a connection to the abba like company like to polar music or whatever, you know, he can't call and say like, "Hey, we're sending a reporter." You know, I assume that's how normally you would do it instead of just sending yeah. like some stringer to the press junket. 
Well, normally you would. I mean, in real life, it's pretty easy to get into the junket because the junket is for where... everyone. Yeah, for everyone. So they don't. So Alba wouldn't have to actually do a fucking interview. They could just go to this junket and have a million reporters there, and you get everyone because you know you get everyone there from like Tiger Beat to the you know the university newspaper to like um, Drudge <laughs> Report. You know, all the shitty like bloggers are going to be in there. Harry Knowles is going to roll in in his like his fatty wheelchair and yeah it's just you know that's the point of a junket it's like all these assholes that you don't actually want to talk to come in and you get it all done at once and the fact is that in this one like they send him there without even telling him where the junket is he has no clue where where it is or when it is he's asking uh as abba is leaving the airport our hero is literally like driving around town and in his his pink car because one of the jokes is he couldn't get a car, so they just give him a, a gay car. His <laughs> Which car is, is hilarious. Yes, yeah. like you have to drive in the gay car. That means you yeah. are gay. It's like, oh, I, when, when you watch a movie, it's like, I bet that car really likes ABBA. <laughs> um, but anyway, so so he's literally rolling down his window and yelling out at random lorry drivers, asking them if they know where ABBA is. This is his method of attack in trying to track down Ava. Uh, this this will not work. I mean, I I I, I guess it's a, maybe it's a maybe this is actually maybe I'm being unfair and this is actually a really um, insightful, accurate look at the Australian press because from watching this movie, the the overriding um, theme that I'm getting is just how fucking stupid Australia is in every possible way. Well, it does have that feel of a, a very sleek, modern, socialistic country looking askance at the backwards uh, continent of Australia. Yeah, it's second only to the Simpsons episode in uh, <laughs> Australia bashing, I think. Oh, but... and um, speaking of Sweden and socialism, I have to give a shout out to uh, to Benny because at one point, um, it's like it's like during one of these junket interviews. Oh, I think I know what you're going to say, but... Where, um, you know, they're asking them a lot of bland questions about, you know, traveling and whatnot. And at one point, um, Benny mentioned, oh, there's a lot of tax to pay if you're a Swedish citizen, which is fair. Yeah, He actually yeah. says that. And I'm like, damn, that owns. He's, you know, because I... you look at all these other, like, 70s musicians, like all these fucking Mick Jaggers and Pete Townsends from England, like, moving to like tax shelters in the south of france and shit and or like you know george harrison like writing a song crying like oh it's so terrible that i'm making so goddamn much money more money than god and i have to pay like 90 percent income tax like bah you know but you have these swedes and like (laughs) yeah we make a lot of money we pay our fair share because we live in like a you know a, a socialist country I actually, yeah, because I heard him say that too, and I was actually almost like, did I actually just hear that? Yeah, because <laughs> I mean, maybe I don't know about in the seventies. In the seventies, I, I think that was also probably an unusual uh, mindset. But nowadays, to hear that from like a mega rich rock star, you'd be like, what? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I just there's no person in America at least who was like, oh yes, paying paying my fair share. Yes, nobody thinks that way because everyone's like. Meh! <laughs> Taxes. Yeah, like now nowadays, if they had that moment in the film, they they'd say like, "Well, taxation is theft." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, Ron Paul. But um, um, speaking of uh, really stupid, uh, shitty mindsets, um, we should probably talk about the lead actor in this film. Okay. Um, get it over with, so um, you know, um, people can decide if they want to listen or not. Or if you may want to skip ahead. Um, so we joked a little bit about the lead actor being a fucking chomo, but that's actually true. Um, <laughs> Robert Hughes, the actor, um, uh, I think kind of a character actor career, um, got onto a sitcom in Australia called Hey Dad, which he appeared on um, from about the mid 80s <coughs> to the early 90s. He played the dad. He was the dad. And as it turned out, he was molesting one of the young actresses who played his daughter. I think she started on the show when uh, she was six, and this continued until she was a teenager. Um, She wrote a book about it. Um, He was eventually nabbed and I think is currently incarcerated 
uh, on a yeah. term of 10 years. He might be as he went up in 2014. He might be as he might be out as soon as 2020, though. So mm, there it is. Okay. Yeah. So um, fuck this guy. Also, uh, two things about that. One is in this movie, he does kind of look like a child molester. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, actually, I actually wrote down in my notes, child molester glasses. Because he's got those kind of big aviator style glasses with this double bridge that nowadays people usually call rapist glasses or like, you know, kitty diddler de- glasses. Well, they're kind um, of they're kind of like dark, so people can't tell that your eyes are kind of like sidelong glancing at like the kids in the playground. Yeah, he's got the transition lenses thing Gross. going on. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is when I actually looked up uh, about his experience um, it, uh, being a child molester, um, <laughs> or his experience after molesting children and going to jail, it seems that his fellow inmates welcomed him to the clink by dumping shit on him. <laughs> so after that, he went into... Um, uh, um, the place where you're alone. What do you call that? <laughs> the hole? Not, not well, yeah. With the, solitary confinement. Yeah. See, see, since I'm not a child molester and I've never been to jail, sometimes it's hard for me to think of these, you know, these, <laughs> these terms. Well, yeah, like usually, and uh, we, because uh, apparently we discuss uh, movies starring uh, child molesters on this show, at least when Mike is on. I don't know why yeah, that's the we, case. We talked well, yeah. about on when we discussed a vile pervert um, starring right. Jonathan King. Um, he was also isolated from the general prison population, yeah. which is the practice with uh, kitty fiddlers. Yeah, because they usually and, end up being a target. Yeah, which, even you know, though he was so pop, his his inmates said he was like Noel Coward. <laughs> we also discussed nothing but trouble with uh, known child molester Chevy Chase. So <laughs> that's, that's kind of our theme here. Chevy Chase is about as hated as you can be without being a child molester. So there's yeah. That. I also want to point out um, some of the films that uh, Robert Hughes was in. Uh, some Australian films like Fatty Finn and Squizzy Taylor. This sound... What the fuck, the, the... Australia? <laughs> I'm pretty sure those were like hard-hitting dramas. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Squizzy Taylor is like the most Australian sounding name. Like, uh, you know, co-host Tim is in Australia right now and all his friends have names like Fizz and Jezza and stuff like that. Well, well, every Australian name just sounds like an extra in like Mad Max. <laughs> the most Australian of films. Yeah, so, um, but I think they have to have like really short monosyllabic names, or else they wouldn't remember them. Because <laughs> you know Australians are pretty. I I assume after watching this movie, they're all pretty much subliterate over there. <laughs> Because, again, like, one of the themes of this movie is the incredible banality of the Australian public. <laughs> which uh, is why they love Ava so much. Yeah. Because between the concert footage, which is great in this movie because mm-hmm. it's Ava, and who can dislike Ava? Nobody. Between that, uh, our, our Chomo hero does a lot of Vox Populi-style interviews with uh, little prepubescent girls oh, on their God, way to dance class like i was screaming when because there's like scenes of him like interviewing these adorable little girls in a dance class and i'm just like no like i sincerely yeah. i i'm not even joking i sincerely hope that he was babysat the entire time and he was not able to touch any fucking children while shooting these segments my my favorite part is one of the little girls that he interviews talks about how abba is sexy or as she says Abba is sexy. Um, <laughs> it's the most and, wrong thing ever. Yeah. And the other little girl is like, oh, you can't say that. Oh, but Abba is sexy. And during this scene, I turned to my wife and I said, yeah, Robert Robert Hughes is right now thinking, oh, yeah, this one can be groomed. Oh, God. <laughs> no. <laughs> but um, but anyway, the point is. Also, that kid public... is wrong. Like, none, she says, like, one of the men is sexy in Abba. They're... The men in Ava are not sexy. Oh, the beard guy's okay. Well, yeah, but he's not, he's not sexy. He's not sexy, no. I um, have to... I, I should point out, um, the, the way I discovered Ava was actually through uh, your wife, who um, oh, really? we were childhood friends, and uh, her dad took her to the library one day. They were looking at the CDs you could check out, and one of them was uh, Ava Greatest Hits, and her dad took it and shoved it out and said, here, check this out, you'll like it. And she's like, okay. You know, so she played it and liked it and played it for me. But we spent a lot of time laughing at the the picture of the band on the cover because uh, 
I'm sorry, Bjorn, but like you are not a handsome man. We were just like, that guy is so ugly. <laughs> and it doesn't help that in this movie he wears like this skin tight like jumpsuit that's all like low cut. And he has like a decent body, which like makes it worse because he has a body where you could wear like a skin tight like spandex jumpsuit. And it's really yeah. upsetting. Just well, saying. the problem is he's got a. He looks like. He's a he's butterface. Like the, Bjorn well, is a butterface. He's like one of the Planet of the Apes guys, where he's like a normal guy just wearing an ape head. <laughs> it's true. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, so the men in ABBA are, are not really anything to look at. The women, but the though. the ladies. Yeah. Um, yeah, the ladies are pretty amazing. And yes. they're both couples, right? I mean, I think they're two couples in Ava. Yes, uh, Agneta and Bjorn were married, and uh, uh, Frida and Benny were engaged for yeah. many years, got married, and then pretty much immediately broke up. Because um, okay. one of the Ava was like the Swedish Fleetwood Mac, and that they were couples <laughs> in the band, and then they just split up, you know, because of the, the strains of fame and whatnot. Yeah. Which is too bad. Well, it's interesting that the ugliest guy in Ava is married to the hottest girl. <laughs> yeah, and they and they make a lot of hay out of the fact that um, people were incredibly fixated on Anyeta's ass. Yeah, but ass. now it must be said, this ass is quality because she does this little dance when they're singing "Money, Money, Money," where she like she does this like shimmy. Yeah, and it's it's like da ass. Like, well, it's hypnotic. Yeah. That She's ass shaking is... her moneymaker, as that... the kids say. <laughs> that ass is made for gift sets, I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. No, she's got a really nice ass. Um, a and lot this... of... Oh, sorry, and this comes to play in the movie where um, somebody asked her at the junket, because apparently um, she was award... she was given the award of, like, best bottom and entertainment or something. I don't yeah. know. Somebody gave her an award for the nicest ass. Yeah. And uh, as, as she deserved it. Well, you know? yes, it is because it, like we said, it is quality. And I yeah. love how uh, later on in the movie, because they bring it up again in one of kind of like a stage scene of them relaxing in their hotel room and they're reading um, the the headlines. And one of the headlines brings up her butt again. And as they mention it, they cut to Frida looking kind of like pissed off. <laughs> like <laughs> nobody's talking about my ass. What the fuck? I, I don't know that I've ever actually noticed Frida's ass, so I, I can't say much about it. I'm sure it's fine. I mean, I, I don't know. She but... wears little shorts, and, you know, it's quality. She's she's also yeah. an extremely attractive woman. Yeah. I mean, I mean not, not to bag on Frida. It's just, it's, I feel bad for her, because it is really hard to hold your own when Agneta's also on stage. Because <laughs> Agneta is like, is, is, she's like a dream. Yes, she's like a, she's, oh, she's a beautiful Nordic goddess. Yeah. She's like, she's, um... I love her because she's got the she's got she's the total Scandinavian package. <laughs> she's got like the body of 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 yeah Swedish goddess, the body of like this Swedish bikini team probably. I think that's a thing. Um, and she's got the face of like a treasure troll, which is also Swedish. <laughs> but it's a good thing. I mean, it works for her because I mean, the thing is, if you look at Anjeta, she's not like she's not attractive in a traditional sense, but she's just so. I don't know. She's compelling. Like when I look it's... at her, I just oh, she's just you she want really to put your does dick it. in that. She's got a beautiful <laughs> smile. No, it's true because okay, like let's be. <laughs> I'm sorry. Smoldering eyes, smoldering. <laughs> well, she's not. She's not a traditional beauty, but she has no. a je ne sais quoi. <laughs> she really does. Well, I mean, I think that is actually one of the things about this movie. It's <clears throat> it's it's just really a concert movie with a really really thin plot. Yes. Um, according to this book that I that I've got, Abba the book, um, it actually <laughs> says there was no script. They mm -hmm. they pretty much just had this very bare bones. It was originally supposed to be a documentary, but then when apparently when they had the Chomo come in to read lines because he was just gonna uh, one second. Uh, let me see if I can actually find what it says happened. Here. Um. Yeah, let's see. So it was going to be a 16 millimeter documentary showing Abba on tour and relaxing between shows, and the radio announcer would just be a linking device. Uh, he went to a screen test 
and did some impromptu acting, and apparently they liked his, him so much that they kind of expanded that and made it into this major film. Um, but <clears throat> they didn't actually... Apparently, because Ava was busy touring, they didn't really have a lot of access to Ava. And according to this, they didn't actually tell Ava that this guy was an actor playing a part. So <laughs> it appears that for most of the movie, they thought he was some random guy who was just showing up at their press junkets and their media events and trying to harass them. Uh, it doesn't sound like they figured... There are only two scenes in the whole movie where they actually interact. Uh, there's the dream sequence and the mm -hmm. ultimate interview. Um, but anyway, my point is, so it's mostly just a concert movie with a very thin plot. Um, and a lot of the footage is just Ava either on stage or just hanging out in their dressing room talking. And it is amazing how <laughs> charismatic they really are. because They seem I, so nice. They do. They seem so nice. So clean and tidy. <laughs> so clean cuts. So likable. They really are very likable people. You know, <laughs> you just watch it and you're like, when they're reading the, the the headlines and they're just like, oh, what does kinky mean? Because they don't <laughs> understand what the title of this article means. And their manager has to explain it to them. And they're like, oh, that's funny. That's, that's funny. I was kinky. And um, <laughs> Well, I mean, they come from Sweden, which is supposed to be like uh, sexually free. I'm sure that, like, when Abba was in Australia, and the Australians were like, oh, Abba, they're so kinky. Uh, occasionally, you can see their, their uh, bottom through their clothes. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure in Sweden, where they spend, like, you know, the the uh, nine dark months of the year in a constant, like, you know, fuck orgy. Uh, <laughs> that's nothing. So. Well, I feel like um, I haven't been to Sweden. I've been to other countries in Europe. Um, but... I, I'm sure it, it must be like, you know, when you like go to the newsstand in like Switzerland or something and there's just like fucking hardcore pornography for sale, like on the newsstands, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> that that sounds accurate to me. Yeah. I mean, that's how I imagine Sweden. I mean, um, you know, as an American, you become, you know, ver you're very startled when you go, when you open up the paper in, in London and there are just boobs like right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and in fact, I get the impression from this movie that Australia is is very much like America in this sense, because um, <clears throat> like two like every time they talk to anyone in the movie, they're just like, I like Avo. I like the clean cut, be the music. I like them. They're tidy. They're clean. <clears throat> they're not dirty. Yeah, like um, nobody they interviewed is very bright. No, the only person who dislikes Abba is this taxi driver who goes on a long rant about how, well, I took the wife and the kids to see Abba, and at one point, uh, one of the ladies turns around, and uh, she was wearing clothes, but she had a bottom, and uh, I, I like a bottom as much as the next guy, but not when the wife and the kids are around. I mean, I just, I just, I, I just don't know. Like, you can't, you can't look at an ass when your kids are in the same room. It just isn't appropriate. Yeah. Oh, and a little, uh, little trivia there. Um, the taxi driver... That's actually a case of a dual role. Um, the guy who plays the bodyguard who makes life so difficult for the protagonist also played the taxi driver. Oh, seriously? Yeah. So uh, was his that name guy an is... actual actor? Yeah, his name is Tom Oliver. Um, he's had a long-running role on the Australian soap opera Neighbors. Oh, interesting. I've never I... seen, but that means something to Australians, I guess. I I just assumed... Well, first off, I assumed that he was just a real bodyguard. I didn't realize he was an actor. <laughs> Secondly, I believe, isn't Neighbors where Kylie Minogue got her start? Yes. So, another uh, amazing ass, by the yes, way. Yes, exactly. The, probably the finest thing that Australia has ever produced, or I will like ever to, produce, Kylie Minogue. I like to believe that, like, uh, Abba went to Australia, and a young Kylie Minogue saw Anyetta's ass, and was inspired to grow up to have an ass just as good, <laughs> if not better. I think that's Cultural a really Cultural connections story. were made. Yeah. <laughs> that's how that's why you know we can't worry about cultural appropriation you guys because it's like this is how new and better art is made right cross pollination Ass appropriation <laughs> what oh oh my, my wife does not appreciate does not appreciate uh australia's finest ass well i think i I think maybe this we're getting too sexist here. She's gonna she's gonna make you look at like a thousand pictures of Ezra Miller now. Well, I don't know how good Ezra Miller's ass is. <laughs> oh, she'll find out. She'll tell you. Yeah, she might be okay. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs>
But um, anyway, so it's a it's basically a concert movie with a thin thread of a plot. It sounds like it was put together kind of in the editing process. They do some kind of clever things where the um the songs that are being done on stage kind of match uh what's happening in the plot like uh you know when he can't he's blown his last chance or what he thinks is his last chance to get the interview like they're doing so long on the stage uh when they're showing footage of all the merchandise they do money 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 that kind of thing um there are a couple of sort of dream sequences one is actually a dream that he has where um he dreams that he finally gets access to ABBA, but they're just kind of like hanging out in these pastoral settings. It's a lot like my lovely horse. <laughs> it totally, it is exactly like my lovely horse because, uh, you know, he's walking in a meadow with the ladies and they're hanging on his every word. And at one point, yeah. um, he's like in an old West bar with Benny and oh, Bjorn, yeah. like exchanging manly backslaps. Yeah. It's... I, was Now, is that the old West or is it like old Australia? Like outback. They're pretty much the same thing, aren't they? Y- yeah, I mean, true. <laughs> I, I I I assume my my knowledge of Australian history is mostly that Ned Kelly was involved and Yahoo Sirius played him in a movie. <laughs> oh yeah, and then they had some shipwreck where they ate each other. What? That uh, that's some other unrelated thing that happened in in somewhere in Australian history, I think. Really, the most Australian history I've read about is the true crime stuff, like the Port Arthur Massacre, and uh, oh. after which they banned uh, guns. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, uh, well, that, Kath- that didn't help. Yeah, and that Catherine totally Knight, who killed and ate her common-law husband. That's a crime in Australia? <laughs> yes, even in Australia, cannibalism is a crime, believe it or not. I know the country is very backward. But they Man. actually frown well, on cannibalism. Paul stop to that. <laughs> but um, uh, so yeah, so you got. I do like when he finally does get. Uh, the way that he finally does get access is that he accidentally steps on an elevator. Yeah, Abba, yeah. And then it turns into like this transcendent psychedelic dream sequence to the tune of Eagle, which is a fucking sick song like that song rules and it's like these like this like geometric holographic mirror image elevator going up to infinity you know with um Agneta and Frida like singing into the camera while blown by uh wind machines it's amazing it's really impressive because you when you start the movie you figure this is a cheapo cash grab but they actually put a lot of effort into the music video sequences. And according to this book, they actually had an unlimited budget. So they really had some something to work with. <laughs> unlimited? Uh, yeah, it just says, um, well, I don't know how true this is. It just says, mm. um, yeah, Robert Hughes explains, it was an unlimited budget. It was crazy. We just sort of went out with cameras and did things. So huh. I don't know if that actually, what that if that actually means like literally unlimited budget or what, but that's a, that's a documentary filmmaker's dream right there. Yeah. And not to mention, you mentioned earlier that initially it was supposed to be just kind of like a 16 millimeter documentary film. And then the decision was made to shoot it in a 35 millimeter Panavision, which to me pays off in spades because um, I actually really enjoy the, the concert sequences, which are shot, you know, in the, the wide aspect ratio and everything and like you know very nicely yeah. shot in my opinion yeah. so um big ups to lassa halstrom and the crew i i did like when that it ends with him uh the uh, succeeding because he gets trapped in an elevator with abba <laughs> which just made me think he's the, like an australian carl diggler <laughs> that one's that one goes out to our dirtbag left listeners yes <laughs> all <laughs> Of which there are many. Indeed. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll be listening to this show. Um, <laughs> but uh, um, actually what was really cool about this movie, and this is just me being a nerd, I think, is watching this movie, since this movie is from the 70s, before the days of like iPhones and like handheld tape recorders and everything, when he wants to record interviews, he's literally carrying around a giant reel-to-reel tape player with like this... Mic- giant microphone and everything and it looks like it's really cool to see like the old tech you know it's like oh hey 
yeah, that's how people had to do it back in those days. Analog, um, bro. Yeah, and then like he's in a taxi, like literally like cutting and splicing film as he's like rushing to the airport. Yeah, then, he's like, like splicing magnetic tape with like a grease pencil and shit, which is yeah, pretty, like nobody does that anymore. And that that thing cannot have been light. No, like nothing. <laughs> No audio equipment in the 70s was light at all. So he's lugging this thing around like with a big old strap around his neck. It is kind of cool. I mean, it's it's uh, method acting there, I guess. <laughs> you know, I mean, I suppose it was, maybe he was, um, you know, it wasn't hard for him because he'd had so much experience picking up small children. But uh, <laughs> still, <laughs> props. <clears throat> You're terrible, Muriel. Well, oh, this tape Australian. recorder weighs about as much as a six-year-old. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh God, so sexy. Um, Fuck there this was guy. I thing... hope he stays in the clink forever. Yeah. Um, there was one thing in this movie that really baffled me, though. What? It's one of the behind-the-scenes uh, scenes of, oh, sorry, where Abba is. <laughs> they're just kind of relaxing between shows or something. They're in their dressing room. Uh, Bjorn or Benny I think both of them they're like they have like little flutes or something they're just playing some traditional Swedish music yes and there's a mime yeah in the room with them just capering well that's the kinky part oh, oh. kinky Swedish mime sex romp oh like you Ooh. know the, you're a sick fuck if you gotta get a mime <laughs> in on your orgies just saying but um actually and again here's the um little bit of Abba trivia um Benny and Bjorn I... each got their start in um, Swedish pop groups, and they have pop groups are the dorkiest names ever. Um, Benny was in the Hep Stars. They and, sound pretty hep. And Bjorn was in the Hootenanny Singers. Yeah, I, I remember they mentioned that, and I think both both me and my wife started kind of busting out at that. <laughs> yeah, oh, but I mean, hep this cats. was this was the pinnacle of Swedish cool. In the '60s, and I think they well, they played um uh you know um I know Bjorn played kind of folk inflected music. Um, I think the Hep Stars were referred to as the Swedish Beatles for whatever that's yeah. worth. Well, when they showed them, like they showed a, a photo of the Hep Stars, and they looked like extras from A Mighty Wind. <laughs> yeah, so um, kind of that that folky influence, and Benny did play the accordion. Yeah. Um, and they show him playing the accordion in that, that sequence that you mentioned. But um, also, um, I should mention the girls' uh, solo careers, um, because both Frida and Agneta started off uh, with their own singing careers. And it should be mentioned that Agneta actually wrote and sang her own songs, her own compositions, and was very successful with them. Um, and it's kind of, uh, it's kind of interesting that you know, she she had like a songwriting talent, but she got into a band with this basic this two man songwriting powerhouse, um, Benny and Bjorn, and you know then that was it. So uh, she didn't really get to do her own compositions anymore. That's, but you know, credit to her. Yeah. You know, she forged her own career. Yeah. Um, well, you know, it's interesting because I think I think nowadays Abba get a lot of um, a lot of flack. For being disco and for being Swedish, dude, uh, I have no—I got no time for disco haters. I really don't. Yeah, disco but, is yeah. disco is awesome. Disco there, rules. There's a reason that they were a worldwide phenomenon in their day, and that reason is because they're great. Yes, and you know, and and, they, and you know, it's just the music. It's just got a clean cut beat. You know, you can't <laughs> dislike it. Um, it's it's uh it's very catchy stuff. Um. Let me see. What else do I have? But I, yeah, I assume that mime was just in the room. He just had. He was another act going on, and well, he was it, like, "Oh." Well, later on, um, the mime introduces the next segment of the show. Um, I think because they were doing, um, they have their they Benny and Bjorn wrote like this little mini musical called "Girl with Golden Hair." Um, this was kind of. I think this was them kind of flexing their musical writing muscles because obviously they went they went on to do chess and uh, Mamma Mia, etc. Yeah. Um, but they wrote this kind of mini song cycle, um, which had songs like uh, uh, Thank You for the Music and uh, I'm a Marionette. And the mime introduces, I think, the I'm a Marionette bit. 
that make actually that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Because mimes are like kind of like they're not puppets, but they they're a natural <laughs> ally to puppets. Like, like <laughs> in their like, in their evil of, plottings and plannings. Yeah, I just think of mimes and puppets kind of in the same wheelhouse almost. So I mean, I yeah, I can, I can understand that it makes sense for a mime to introduce that song. Mimes, puppets, uh, and clowns. Yeah. That that could they're be all... the title of a horror anthology. I, th- like I think you that, could get that... you could get three directors and one could do the mime sec segment, one could do the puppet segment, one could do the clown segment. I'd, I'd watch that. Yeah, like uh, of course you would. You watch a lot of horror in your household. Yeah, I think that there you could have, um, well, mime, puppet, and clown. Um, it would be a good uh, trio if you had like um, Pinocchio's Revenge for the puppet. Um, <laughs> Uh, Abba the movie because that has a mime, <laughs> and um, Day the Clown cried. <laughs> yeah, the finest clown movie ever made that will never be seen by human yeah, eyes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the I'm a Marionette bit kind of ties into the sequence, which is all about the uh, the craziness of fame, you know, and the frenzies of the crowd, and you know, there's a there's a footage of them uh, basically being pressed upon by their fans and. You know, it's it's very nightmarish, as we all know fame is. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, you know, because I mean, they're, especially for them, because they are from Sweden, which is a, a, a very homogenous society, mm-hmm. you know, and it's hard to be famous in Sweden. Like, they don't have a fame industry, and all Swedes kind of look the same. So, you know, any <laughs> anyone who gets up, it's as good as another. So it's probably alien to them <laughs> to be in this situation where they're they're kind of exalted like that. Um, well, I do, and I do remember, um, I think Anyeta was the more introverted of the two women in the group, um, and I think the experience of being an Abba was particularly difficult for her. Um, I think it was, like, she had some very, yeah, she had some negative feelings about it, you know, um, I think she said something like, she had this feeling of being in these crowds and, like, they would grab hold of her and never let her go, you know, so she was probably stressing about that. Um, that's, Frida, that's... Frida is, like, more the extroverted one, which I think comes out in her stage persona, because in the footage you see her, like, you know, always, like, dancing and being very, you know, <laughs> wah! <laughs> Poor Agneta, she's perfect cinnamon bun. Yes. Too good for this world. I, I, I would... Just protect her from the crowds. I would, I would grab her. her and never let her go. I would comfort her with my penis. Yes. <laughs> like, this, just like, kind of like, there, there. <laughs> uh, also in my notes, the other thing I wrote for some reason is, I'm a quadratic girl. Swinglish? I don't know what that means. Apparently, some of this, they said it. Oh, no, I remember. No, no. At one point, I think it's in the dream sequence. Mm-hmm. Um Frida is wearing a shirt, and I think it said on it, I'm a quadratic bird. The fuck does that mean? I don't know. I I, I was looking at... I It was hard to see in the movie. Maybe I misread it, but I... It's an exercise thing? Oh, it's when they're exercising. That's right, because at one point... Like some guy is like leading them in some sort of like weird like tantric yoga thing. Oh, um, yeah, because there's a little sequence of Frida working out, and um, she's being led in her workout by this guy with like a blonde bull haircut like a horrible 70s mustache like tight t-shirt and like rainbow suspenders yeah uncle grandpa yeah (laughs) and he like later you see him like as they're leaving australia like he's in he's part of their entourage so i guess they have this this weird uh rainbow suspender fitness guru traveling with them at all times yeah, well, you know, when you're a Swedish pop group, uh, yeah, that's that's what you do, I guess. And I don't know the um, point of the exercise she were doing because she was doing because they don't look like they did anything. It's like okay, like kind of bend over and stretch because, like, you know, bend over and stretch a little bit. Okay, like more you know, for the audience she, benefit. <clears throat> yeah, that's true because at one point they shoot like between her legs. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, if she were working out now, they'd have her like doing weight training and shit. You know, yeah. if she did. If she did some like weightlifting squats, she could get an ass like Anyeta. Yeah, so goals. <laughs> you know? Um But yeah, uh so you know, this is a very slight movie, but it's it's very yeah. enjoyable. 
it's it a it's a good introduction to the world of ABBA if you're not already an ABBA fan, which you should be. You should be. Yeah. Um, and uh, it has a happy ending because you know the guy gets his interview, um, and, they, and Abba escapes Australia. <laughs> yeah, that's the oh, they, and they get that nice giant stuffed kangaroo too. So that's that's nice. <laughs> Everyone who comes to Australia has to pose with the giant stuffed kangaroo. It's yeah, it's Australian a law. law. And not posing with the kangaroo is a bootable offense. <laughs> I felt, um, you know, in spite of the fact that our hero is a is a chomo in real life, I did feel like a great sense of relief when he did get his interview. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's not a terrible actor. I mean, being a child molester and being a good actor are not mutually exclusive. <laughs> I'm sure there are lots of actors who are, like, great child molesters. I mean, there are lots of child molesters who are great <laughs> actors. I mean, you know, like, you know, we're Woody Allen... The Hall of Fame of child molesters. Yeah. You know, there are many um, high-achieving uh, chomos. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they're... I don't know. I, I don't keep up with that sort of thing, so... <laughs> I hope you don't. Well, you know, there are lots of... Well, high-achieving child molesters. There's Jonathan King. That's right true. There. You know, um, his his music is almost... I'd, I'd say it's almost as good as Ava's. Jonathan Vile Pervert King. Yeah, Almost. <laughs> but yeah there is a happy ending in the movie the guy gets his uh interview ava leave australia even more successful than they already were and uh, robert hughes does a dime for child molestation happy ending all around 